Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Hub Arkish. Hub Arkush. Hub Arkish is an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Made a huge living talking football. He's constantly wrong. Anyone can do postgame. Well, thanks. You know, Hub, I think you hit a great point there. Hub Arkish. Good for you, and you know, I'm sure that's something you're proud of. Hub Arkish doesn't get any better than this. Hello. Hub Arkish, 670 to score, senior football expert. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is great to be with you this evening. I am Hub Arkish, going to be with you until 10 o'clock tonight. We're going to go a little hour later than we've been going usually because we had to clear an hour for uh, Bears All Access. A great listen, as always, with my buddies Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, and Jim Miller. We will continue some of the Chicago Bears and NFL talk here this evening over the next three hours, plus add a few stories in for you that are not necessarily Chicago Bears related, but certainly could have an impact on the Bears. Uh, Brian Callahan is producing for me tonight. Brian, behind the glass, he will be uh, the pleasant voice on the other end of the phone when you dial me up to join me, because I hope you're going to. You know my favorite part of this, guys, is getting to take your calls and hear what's on your mind and answer what questions that I can. Uh, but Brian, as always, has already done an outstanding job getting us ready for tonight. At 7.20, my buddy, longtime voice of the Chicago Bears and current longtime voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larrabee is going to stop by. We're going to talk about uh, all things NFC North. We're going to talk about the Bears' new offensive coordinator. And we're going to talk about the latest with Aaron Rodgers, whatever the latest may be. There is no breaking news uh, in case anybody is assuming that there might be. And then at 740, I've been looking forward to talking to Bruce for a while. Bruce Levine is our senior baseball expert here at 670. The score, yes, they are well into. I want to say today was day 84 of the MLB Live. I may be off by a day or two, but while normally pitchers and catchers would be in Arizona and Florida and other position players reporting any day, nobody's working but the minor leaguers because the owners have locked out the players with the expiration of their collective bargaining agreement. They're working on a new one, but work is going very slowly and very painfully. It's something that I don't think a lot of us uh, who are either casual fans or at least not baseball experts necessarily even understand as to what the two sides are fighting about. We know that the players want more money. The owners want to spend less. That's always the case in these deals. Uh, But you're talking about a situation much different from football where there is no hard salary cap, where the players' salaries on average are much higher than they are uh, in the NFL, even in the middle class and at the low end. Uh, and yet the players want some things changed. The owners want some more control. Uh, and Bruce is as close to it as anybody. So we're going to have Bruce give us the uh, MLB lockout for dummies, if you will, which I know I need. I'm not suggesting any of you are dummies. And then at 8 o'clock, another buddy, Rick Camp, who, of course, hosts pre and post on the Chicago Bulls here at 670 The Score. We are the home of the Chicago Bulls on the radio. And Camp is going to stop by. Bulls back in action tomorrow after an extended break for the All-Star game. It's something they obviously needed badly. They may not get 
any of the key injured players back, but at least they bought a week of not playing games without them and other players very much in need of rest, specifically Zach Levine, who's been injured on and off, and even DeMar DeRozan has been carrying such a heavy load for this team for uh, the whole season now. So hopefully the All-Star break good to them. We'll set up the final. It's really used to talk about it in terms of halves, but the All-Star break came really at the two-thirds point of this NBA season or, or awful near it. Uh, so we'll talk about the final third of the season as the Bulls get ready for the playoffs. And most of all, best of all for me, going to be taking your phone calls all night long. The number is 312-644-6767. If you want to jump on right now, dial me up, 312-644-6767. Any questions you might have, any thoughts or comments you might have, whatever it may be, give me a call. Again, 312-644-6767. Happy to hear what's on your mind and see if we can talk about it or if it's a question, if maybe I can answer it for you. You can also text me at that number, 312-644-6767. Gets you into the text zone here at The Score, brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. And for those of you who are regular Score listeners, you know that I am broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score studios which are brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. So um, we've got all that. Uh, obviously, there is a lot more than just the Bears and the Packers going on in the NFL, more than the MLB lockout and the NBA All-Star break going on in the world of sports. Uh, anything that's on your mind, this is the place to talk about it, to ask questions, to get them answered. Uh, a couple of uh, football stories that are currently hot and, and not necessarily breaking, but, but more news coming, although there was uh, what I'd consider a bit of a breaking report at the New York Post earlier today. It was just updated uh, about an hour ago. Apparently, ESPN and Troy Aikman are very close to a multi-year mega-million dollar deal for Aikman to switch from Fox to the Monday night uh, studio. Well, not studios, but Monday night broadcast booth, I should say. Um, would be very interesting. We know that, that the four-letter network has had their sights on Aikman for some time. I do believe personally uh, of the three major networks and their analysts, Chris Collins with Tony Romo and Zach uh, and Troy Aikman are all good. I just think Aikman is the best. And, and so it wouldn't be surprising uh, that ESPN would be making a run at him. Uh, according to the Post report, they could be talking about as much as $180 million over 10 years. Uh, would be very interesting to see if that were to happen. And there are also reports that they could then pursue Al Michaels, not at Fox, obviously, but at NBC. Uh, Michaels allegedly has been being courted by Amazon to do play-by-play -play for them. Uh, long an admirer of Aikman, he might be intrigued by uh, returning to Monday nights where he spent quite a while before he went to Sunday nights, where that would leave the other two um, network booths. We, we really don't know yet. Um, all indications are that, uh, you know, Fox uh, is certainly happy, um, uh, I should say, uh, yeah, happy um, with with uh, their crew as it is. Joe Buck, one of the best around, and, um, you know, they would certainly try and keep Buck and, and add another high-profile name for him in their booth should they lose Aikman. And, you know, as far as uh, CBS goes, I, I think Tony Roma does a good job. I don't know if he's quite in the category um, of Aikman and Collinsworth, but uh, we'll see. And, you know, when, when you look at uh, NBC, should they lose Michaels? Uh, I assume Collinsworth would stay. And, um, you know, they might just bring in a young up-and-comer. But lots of goings on right now in the, uh, uh, the, the, the network broadcast world. Uh, and this is the big story of the moment, the possibility 
that Troy Aikman could be headed to ESPN. What's intriguing about it is I don't really mind uh, at all the broadcast of Steve Levy and Brian Greasy and uh, and Lewis Riddick. In fact, I think that it's been um, I've kind of gotten used to it over the last two years uh, after a lot of turmoil in that booth was not a big fan uh, of what they were doing before they put that trio together. Um, certainly, you know, Aikman, and then if they were to pair him with, with, uh, with Michaels would be quite a step up, uh, at least in terms of recognition, um, and history. So, um, again, we'll keep an eye on all these goings on. The other big story, of course, is the, uh, Brian lawsuit, uh, Brian Flores' law, a racial discrimination lawsuit against the NFL continues and now will slowly uh, wend its way through the courts. But he made an appearance uh, last night with Brian Gumbel uh, on HBO, Real Sports on HBO, and further explained his position relative to the lawsuit. Um, I think at this point, if you've been following it, we have a pretty good idea uh, of what Flores alleges and what his claims are. Um, I don't think there is any of us who dispute, well, I shouldn't say that, I'm sure there's always somebody, but there aren't many of us who dispute that the NFL has a serious problem with racial inequity when it comes to their top management jobs. Uh, there is no really explaining or justifying an industry where over 70% of the labor force is, is minority and less than 3% of top management being head coaches and, and general managers or team presidents are minority. Something has to give there. Um, now, you know, the question is to whether it's systemic, uh, you know, whether it is actual bigotry by certain owners, um, you know, where the problem lies is one that is a little more complicated than, than just saying that it's racial dis discrimination, but it doesn't change the fact that it is and something has to be done. Now, whether Flores's lawsuit um, is going to be the uh, uh, the motivator to get that done uh, it could very well be and, and he will be treated very kindly uh, you know currently and by history if in fact that happens um, if it is more a lawsuit about his being treated unfairly and looking for some kind of compensation um, it's, it's a tougher bar to clear in terms of the legal experts that I've talked to and then you get to the to the big question in my mind which is that they are seeking class action status for this lawsuit. Should they get class action status, we would assume that there would be a number of other minority coaches who would be interested in joining the suit. Uh, if in fact that happens, who it is, how many, and what kind of evidence they bring, certainly then you know strengthens the, 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 the could potentially strengthen the case in court. If in fact that is what is going to matter uh, about the eventual adjudication of this suit, everything I hear. From, from Flores and his lawyer is that they keep talking about finding ways to fix the problem uh, and, and that they seem to be more interested in that happening in, in talks and settlement before this would ever get to court. Um, and I suspect that's because they genuinely are trying to do the right thing here. Um, uh, you know, nobody wants to go to court if they don't have to. What a settlement would look like and what changes could be made. Uh, I know that, that, that most of the experts in these situations talk about more transparency in the hiring process being needed. Um, I, I think that's going to have to happen to some degree. We do have to remember that these are 32 private businesses and they do not have uh, a legal obligation to supply, you know, wide open transparency, if you will, to their practices. But because they are basically a public treasure and, and so dependent on, on a huge audience of fans, 
who I believe would like to see this problem dealt with, uh, they're going to end up agreeing to some level of, of additional transparency. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that one, um, you know, and, and it's going, as I said, start to move very slowly now, although I think probably the next touchdown moment will be uh, with the confirmation of the class action status, assuming that happens, and then we find out uh, who else besides Brian Flores will be joining the suit. That would be the next big story that I would keep an eye out for. So 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Uh, you know, I, I think that while, you know, a potential move of broadcast boost by Troy Aikman would be a very big story and then obviously other dominoes would fall, there would be a reshuffling of sorts. Um, clearly, the, the lawsuit is a huge story. Probably the story gaining the most attention around the NFL right now is Aaron Rodgers and, and what he's going to do next. Uh, again, we've got Wayne Larrabee uh, joining us in, in, a, in about 10 minutes. Now, again, I'm not promising that Wayne has any scoops for us or uh, any, any you know clear indications of what's coming next, but he obviously is as close to the situation as anybody we could get. And it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. When you hear what Aaron Rodgers has had to say in the last week or two, it, it feels very much to me like just a, a rerun of his last off season, only with a different strategy this time. Um, obviously, he knows it didn't play well for him last year. Um, and so now he's basically taking you know the same tack that, that he doesn't know if he wants to play or not or if he wants to stay in Green Bay or not. But this time, as opposed to really accusing the organization and specifically General Manager Brian Gutekunst of acting in bad faith, which was kind of his position last year, he has gone to great lengths to suggest that the relationship is, is much improved and that everybody is talking and is comfortable with each other and they're all going to do what's right for the team. And obviously, I think everybody wants to believe that. Um, at the same time, Brian Kudagunst today in a, in a press conference uh, was very clear in saying that, un, or inconsistent, I should say, with, with the reports that we've heard, Aaron Rodgers was never promised a trade at the end of this season last year. That was allegedly part of what had happened there. Um, and, and I don't know, um, you know, that, that it did. Obviously, it didn't, uh, according to Gutekunst. So we'll see what the next steps are with Aaron Rodgers. Again, we'll have more about that in a few minutes. Real quick, though, before we get to our first break, Ty is in Oak Park and wanted to talk Bulls for a minute. Ty, thanks for dialing me up. How you doing, buddy? Hey, how you doing? I appreciate you taking my call up. I just wanted to make a comment and get your thoughts. With the Bulls being a young team um, with, you know, two veterans that are playing really well, and once they get back to health, I think they have the opportunity to be one of those outlier teams like the Heat were when they were young and got to the finals and maybe arrived sooner than they should have to be prepared for the moment. I think this is a year that with the way the Eastern Conference is set up, with everybody still trying to figure it out and the Bulls is just waiting to get healthy to see what they can be, I think this is a year that they can have the opportunity to be one of those outlier teams that make it to the finals ahead of schedule. Well, Ty, thank you for the phone call, and, and, and I completely agree with your premise. The problem is, as you just said, how healthy are they going to be? You know, if, if they get – and I'm not talking about Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams would be a bonus uh, at this point. Tristan Thompson is there to at least supply uh, some backup, uh, you know, either at center or the power forward spot uh, for Vukovic. And, you know, Patrick Williams would just be a bonus. But – 
Will Lonzo Ball be back 100%? Will Alex Caruso be 100%? Can Zach Levine get to and stay at 100%? Can Kobe White uh, get to and stay at 100%? These are the keys, you know, and if they can, if they have everybody we've seen play so well at different times this year now all playing together, and if they can get there at least six, seven, eight games before the end of the regular season to get these guys some minutes together for, for you know, Billy Donovan to figure out where he's going to mix and match and how this is going to work, then I could not agree with you more. I, I, I do think that it is crucial that they get either the first or second seed in the East because really when you look at the top five teams in the East, it's kind of hard to split them all. And, and so, you know, not only would you want to have a first series at home, I think you'd want to be guaranteed a second series at home at least, and, and hopefully maybe even the conference finals. That would dramatically enhance their ability to, as you say, make a run to the finals. And then once you get there, who knows? Um, but at this point, uh, you know, I, I agree with you as far as the young talent there. Now, I, I don't know that I'd call them a young team. I, I, you know, DeMar DeRozan certainly isn't. Vukovic certainly isn't. Um, uh, you know, even Zach Levine is getting to middle age by NBA standards. There is young talent around him, and I understand what you're saying there. But, but this is just a, a question of whatever you want to call this team, young to middle-aged, getting healthy, and then getting a chance to play their best basketball at the most important time of the year. I think they've got the right coach for it, and it should be interesting to see if they make it happen or not. So, Ty, thank you for the phone call. We've got Wayne Larrabee coming up next, Bruce Levine after that, so we're going to take a little break on calls. But the whole 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock hour are going to be yours for the most part. Uh, I'm Hub Arkish with you until 10 tonight. Next up, we're going to talk NFC North. We're going to talk Bears offensive coordinator. We're going to talk Aaron Rodgers and the Packers with the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larrabee. That's up here in just a moment on The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Yeah, let me just put this disclaimer out right away for the the, uh, the few people watching that are tuning in just for a specific uh, maybe news or decision. There will be no news today, no decision on, on my future. Welcome back, everybody. That was Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. I guess he's apparently a regular on, on the Pat McAfee show these days. I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, where you even get the Pat McAfee show. I know uh, that the, the former uh, Colts punter has built a uh, bit of a cult following of his own, and, and he, he can be a fairly funny, entertaining guy. But uh, apparently that's also become Aaron Rodgers' new broadcast podium because I, I believe he's on with him pretty much every week, and that's where he goes to talk about everything going on, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that was from today, telling us no announcements today. So uh, with that, the world is still watching. We continue to look for new information, and I thought who better to reach out to than uh, one of my oldest friends, certainly my best friend in the broadcast business. We were partners in the Bears booth for 13 years, and Wayne has since spent, uh, oh gosh, over 20 years in the Green Bay Packers booth, and Wayne Larrabee, good enough to be with us for a few minutes tonight. Wayne, I hope all is well with you and the family, and really appreciate you hopping on on short notice. Oh, good to be with you, Hub. You know, Wayne, um, before we even get to Aaron Rodgers, which obviously is a pretty critical conversation for both the entire league and the Green Bay Packers, I do have to, we're based in Chicago, obviously, and um, uh, another big story here 
is the third most important hire of this offseason so far for the Chicago Bears. Their new offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, heads south straight from Green Bay. And I know that you've been covering him the last three years. I'm curious uh, if you have any just general thoughts or anything you think Bears fans should know about Getze. Yeah, oh, I've known Luke. Uh, he was in Green Bay prior to and then he left and came back with Matt LaFleur. Um, so I've known him for a long time. Um, yeah, a quality guy, just outstanding in that regard. Um, has been in on the McCarthy offense when it was in its heyday, and, and uh, certainly uh, uh, the last three years with Matt LaFleur. Um, you know, just a really bright guy, Hub. Um, you know, I guess, you know, collegiately, uh, some uh, places were thinking of him for a head coach possibly. Um, but I think he wants to stay in the NFL, and I think he wants to do offense. And he's going to get an opportunity to call plays and run his own offense. And, and uh, I, I think he's going to be great in that regard. Um, Aaron Rodgers loved him as his quarterback's coach. I think he'll bring a lot to the party um, with the young quarterback in Chicago. So it, I thought it was a very good hire. You know, Wayne, it's interesting because I actually wrote, oh gosh, three, four weeks ago when the head coaching searches were still going on, that as much as the Bears had a, a really impressive list, they had none of the young guns. And, and, and I wrote specifically that I'd love to see him at least interview uh, either Kevin O'Connell or Mike McDaniel, who both since gotten head coaching jobs, even though they were thought to be longer shot candidates, and Luke Getze and Adam Stenovich. And um, I actually liked Stenovich just a little bit better, even though Getze's more directly related to, to the passing game and quarterbacks, only because Stenovich uh, not only is a, is a Matt LaFleur guy now, but trained under both uh, you know Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay in Atlanta before he moved on and ended up in Green Bay with Matt. But, you know, people don't realize Getze, you just mentioned it, really brought to the NFL by Mike McCarthy and, and really developed by, by Mike for, I want to say, what, four years before he took that one year to go back to college ball, and then LaFleur brought him yeah. back. And so he's kind of a combination of all those things. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, he's got diverse background. I think when you hire a guy as your offensive coordinator, I, I really think it helps when the guy has diverse diversity in his background. Uh, the number one thing. And I, I think that's what he has. And, and I think he'll bring, in other words, he doesn't bring just one system with him. Uh, I think he brings knowledge of a lot of different things that he'll put together and, and um, make into the Bears offense. Wayne, I, I, you know, at this point, it's real old news, but I'm just curious. Uh, McCarthy, you know, obviously things went south at the end and how much of it was Mike's fault and how much of it was the relationship with Aaron and, and how much of it was the relationship with the rest of the organization. I, there's no need to relive that. I, but I am curious, what, what, if any, are the real differences between the Matt LaFleur offense and style of being a head coach and the Mike McCarthy offense and his style? Because they're both West Coast based for the most part. Yeah, they are, but, um, you know, the Matt LaFleur offense relies more on um, pre-snap motion, that type of thing. It's more like the uh, McVay uh, offense, more so than Shanahan, and it relies more on the quick, short passing game, whereas Mike McCarthy's offense, um, I guess I could put it better this way. Um, LaFleur's offense and the newer form of the West Coast offense is more conceptual, whereas uh, McCarthy and maybe some of the uh, earlier um, uh, iterations of West Coast offense had a lot of based matchup man-to-man stuff uh, involved in them. In other words, 
uh, McCarthy's whole thing was winning individual matchups and the quarterback finding those who won, um, that type of thing. So consequently, what we've seen here is a little bit different, um, a little more reliance on the running game, number one, uh, but number two, quick passing game. In other words, decisions made quickly. Whereas um, with McCarthy, uh, they didn't run the football religiously, although he always talked a good game in that regard. Um, but the passing game was what they were going to do, a lot of five wides, and uh, here, here's the snap, and Aaron Rodgers just buy some time and wait for somebody to beat their man and go there. So when basically we've got Rodgers with two MVPs with Lafleur and two MVPs with McCarthy, so obviously he can make it work with anybody. I don't think there's any debate that Aaron is, is one of the you know, three to five greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game. I don't think anybody argues that point. Um, Personality-wise, off the field, uh, lifestyle, some of those things, he's created, you know, his share of controversy in the last couple of years. And now we're back to uh, another kind of off-season soap opera. He seems to be approaching it, uh, not seems to be, he is approaching it very differently uh, than, than last season. Last season, you know, he kind of let it leak through intermediaries that it was him against the Packers organization. And this year, everything I'm hearing is him suggesting that it's him and the Packers organization in lockstep trying to figure out what's best for everybody. Um, what What is your read of what's going on right now and your best guess as to what might be coming next? Yeah, it's it's different than last year, Hub, in that last year there certainly seemed to be a rift, and um, there certainly seemed to be a, a great desire by Rodgers to play elsewhere if he was going to play. Um, you know, the Packers were able to hold firm and eventually came into camp, and they, to their credit, the Packers repaired some of this um, relationship with Rodgers, and quite frankly, it's a much different atmosphere. Um, although, they're still waiting for a decision. Number one, they're going to get a decision before July. <laughs> That's going to help. Uh, number two, um, the decision will be coming very quickly uh, in, in that regard. And, and number two, I think both sides want to make this thing work um, for the uh, near future. And now, will they be able to? Um, that's the whole question. And the difference here is whereas maybe last year Aaron was hoping that if he was going to play, play somewhere else. This year... Um, he's trying to decide, does he want to continue to play? Um, most of us believe he does, and that, you know, I, I think then, then the, figure, the, the factor is this. How do the Packers, what do they do with Rodgers' situation? Um, because they, they cannot take $46 uh, million on the cap, which is what his number would be this year. So they'd have to work out some kind of a long-term situation uh, with a lot of um, uh, voidable years on a, on a contract extension. But nonetheless, it would be an extension. Number two, what do they do with the kid they drafted in the first round, Jordan Love, if that happens? Um, and number three, and maybe the most important thing, Hub, is, um, you know, with the salary cap situation they have, uh, you know, who is coming back and who isn't? And uh, will they be able to bring back both Rodgers and Devontae Adams and anybody else around them? I mean, will they be able to field a quality team around those guys? Now, today, Brian Gutekunst met with the media. He uh, maintained that, yes, they could, uh, they could work deals with Rodgers and with Adams and still field a, a team capable of making a Super Bowl run. So that's a tall order when you're $53 million over the cap before they restructure the uh, contract of Kenny Clark. So we'll see how it plays out, but it's not going to be easy, and you can only kick so much money down the road. 
Oh, that's it. I mean, otherwise you end up even in worse salary cap hell like a team that the New Orleans Saints finds themselves in right now. And, that, you know, they were $100 million over the cap going into last offseason. They found a way to get under the cap and now come back finding they're still $80 million over the cap this year. I, I think with where the Packers are at, it actually goes in the different direction. If they do find a way to adjust this, and there's always ways for this season they'll probably be in worst cap shape at the end of this season. <laughs> and so yep. you know, it's, the other thing, Wayne, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I keep hearing from folks that there's the Jordan Love question. Aaron Rodgers basically waited three years for Brett Favre, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. And so, you know, if Love did, I mean, obviously it's not ideal, um, but and I can't imagine anybody believes uh, that Jordan Love is going to be the next Brett Favre and Rodgers only because of how stunning it would be to have a third back-to-back-to-back quarterback going to the Hall of Fame. But, um, you know, I, I keep hearing that the Love issue is part of it, but but that's the part that I wonder how big a deal that is. Uh, what kind of kid is he? Uh, you know, does he, uh, how does he handle this situation? What's your, what's your relationship and observations been of him? Well, I think... A benefit for him has been these uh, COVID protocols, Hub. Um, reporters aren't spending time in the locker room. Um, they, they don't have, we don't have exposure to these guys uh, like we used to. We don't get to talk to them one-on-one. Um, and I think, you know, for what Jordan Love has been going through, I think that's a benefit for him. The fact that, you know, yes, is this an issue in the media? Of course it is. But it could be an even bigger issue, um, and Jordan could be in an even more precarious situation um, from a media standpoint if reporters were able to interview him. I think the only time I can remember this year where people were able to talk to him in the media was after the Kansas City game that he started, you know, that kind of thing. That's about it. He's a good kid from all I indications from what I've seen. He's a good kid. He has good athletic ability. Um, nobody knows for sure if he can be a, a good starting quarterback on this level because he has not had a chance to play except in one game. Um, and that was down at Kansas City, and it didn't go so well, but he did finish the game fairly strong and had a nice fourth quarter through a touchdown pass. But um, we don't know at this stage, Hub, and that's the biggest question mark. And I think it's a big question mark of the organization as well. Um, you know, when the end came for Brett Favre, um, Aaron Rodgers had been in the organization for three years. He had three full training camps and everything else. And, you know, Jordan Love, his first training camp was truncated um, by the COVID situation. They had no off-season program and that type of thing. Um, so his development has been a little bit slower than Aaron Rodgers was. By the time Brett Favre came to the end in 2007 of the NFC Championship game with the interception against the Giants, the Packers – knew they had a, a plan, a quarterback. They had a guy ready to go. And, in fact, the coaches felt they had a guy that might be better. And so when they determined that uh, Brett Favre could no longer get a team to the Super Bowl, um, and they were correct about that, they already knew they had a guy that was they felt pretty good about that could become the next great quarterback. I don't think there's any way you could have the feel, uh, like you said, uh, the, the odds are, and now we can talk about odds, the odds are, they're not going to that Jordan Love is not going to follow Aaron Rodgers and eventually end up in Canton, Ohio. Um, that you know that's just the odds are not good. But by the same token, they also I don't think have seen enough of this kid uh, in game situations under fire um, to be able to make a clear cut decision. So I don't know if he can play, and I don't know if they do. 
Wayne, I, I, I hate to leave you on that note, but I know I got to let you run. It was short notice. I really appreciate you hopping on today. Just real quick, best guess. I Listen, I don't know if Rodgers ends up in Green Bay or somewhere else, but the one thing I don't believe is that he's going to retire. I, I think you kind of alluded to that as well. Do you have a best guess as to where he ends up? Just a guess. Yeah, no, I, I really don't, Hub. I mean, I do think – I don't think he's seriously considering retiring, and I think they're trying to figure out a way – uh, that the Packers can be competitive with him as their quarterback. I think that's the number one thing. I know that from Brian Gutekunst, that's exactly what he he believes they can do, and that's what he wants to do. And I think um, I think that you know, hey, a month ago I would have told you there's no way Rodgers comes back, but I'm not so sure about that premise now. I think there's a good chance he could come back and play for the Packers this year. All righty, Wayne, I really appreciate the time. Please give my best to Julie and the kids, and hopefully we'll catch up again off the air real soon. You bet. Ari Hub, all the best. Take care. That is Wayne Larrabee, the voice of the Green Bay Packers. Long time. He and I had our syndicated Pro Football Weekly show together for over 27 years and, of course, spent 13 years together in the Bears broadcast booth as well. Wayne is, in my estimation, and I am biased, but nonetheless, the best radio NFL play-by-play guy in the business. No offense to my buddy Jeff Joniak, who's near the top as well, but I know Jeff would agree with me. Uh, Wayne, Wayne is, is in a special category when it comes to NFL play-by-play. We are going to take a very quick break here. When we come back, though, we've got another great guest lined up. We're going right to Bruce Levine. Uh, we're going to talk about the MLB lockout, where they're at right now, what might be coming next. Try and give you a little primer on what the hell's really going on. That's next, right here at 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. A deal will get done when the owners decide they're ready to make a deal. The problem in this scenario is these two sides, and and let's be honest about it, they can't stand one another. There's a lot of mistrust, and that's a tough position to be in when you go to the bargaining table, and you not only do you dislike the other side, but you don't trust them. That's a bad combination for getting a deal done. That was the voice of a member of the renowned baseball Boone family, Brett Boone, former All-Star and Gold Glove second baseman, visiting here on the air, uh, I believe it was yesterday, here at 670 The Score, I should say. And right now, we are going to get right back to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That is our guest line. Wayne Larrabee just joined us on the Circa Resort and Casino uh, in Las Vegas score hotline. And we go from one all-star to another as I now welcome in my buddy Bruce Levine. And Bruce, of course, our senior baseball expert here at 670 The Score. Uh, Bruce, we haven't visited in a while. I hope that all things are going very well for you. Uh, they are, Hub. Thank you very much. And I know uh, life is good for you and your family. I'm happy about that. And uh, we should, we wish we could say the same thing about um, uh, Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association because uh, the owners and players seem to be moving at a uh, snail's pace to try to avoid missing games in 2022. Yeah, and you know, Bruce, at one hand, it's tremendously frustrating, but on the other hand, being a veteran of a number of these things in the NFL, as as the key dates get closer, they do start to pick up the pace. (laughs) So I don't know that there's any guarantee that they'll be ready for opening day, but if this drags into the middle of March, you know that they're going to start to move quicker. Uh, To me, the the interesting question, I, I have... 
a working knowledge of what some of the issues are, just enough to be dangerous. But I, I think the average fan really has no sense of, of what the, the, they're really even negotiating or debating about. I mean, you know, the players are making a fortune, even the middle-aged, you know, or, or middle-level, I should say, fringe of the roster guys. Unlike the NFL, not all MLB teams make money, but there is a lot of money being churned, and uh, these owners are all doing fine. And so if, if you could, I wanted to do a little lockout for dummies type thing here. If you could just kind of give the basic explanation of what the clear sticking points are in this lockout. Well, the clear sticking points are that the, the players want uh, the owners to have a true free uh, market, meaning that uh, the luxury tax, which is at about $214 million a year, that's the amount uh, that... Uh, once the team reaches that hub and goes over that amount, they start paying uh, penalties and they start losing uh, draft picks. So the higher they go over that, the penalties are more severe, higher percentages, higher draft picks, and and so forth. the The players the the, the players want the owners to be up at around 245 million, increasing uh, to somewhere around 275 before the contract's over. The owners uh, are uh, fighting against that because uh, the luxury tax wasn't a major issue for the players in the previous five-year deals that they had going back 10 years. And now they, the players see that uh, the salaries are starting to go down. The average uh, payment to uh, players over the last uh, four years have, has gone down. That's a major concern for them. Um, Kind of contrary to the idea about uh, uh, middle-range players continuing to make money, the union is asking for the younger players to make more money initially, which is a big factor for them. They want uh, the minimums to be $775,000 a year starting next year and increments of $30,000 each year going up the next four, whereas the owners have offered uh, $640,000, which is a... a raise of, um, I believe, uh, 70000 over last year's 570500 that were being being paid to minimum first and second year players uh, before they get to the third year in arbitration. So uh, the, the dispersal of money, uh, the players want shifted to the younger players. Uh, in, in so doing, they're forgetting that the middle-range players that you talked about that make a lot of money will be eliminated uh, from their jobs uh, to a higher extent because uh, teams will be more um, intent on promoting their own young players to fill roles of uh, middle-range players and journeyman-type players in the future. You know, Bruce, that, that's the part of this that is so puzzling to me. And again, I, I'm not choosing sides. I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong um, uh, you know, both sides, in, in essence, want more money. It's, it's that simple. But with the hard salary cap in the NFL and something close to it in the NHL, the, the one thing that has absolutely been proven is the, I don't want to say disintegration or disappearance, but uh, the, the lowering the population, if you will, of the middle class. It, it's the mm-hmm. middle class that get hammered. And then the other thing that's going to happen here, because it happens every time, as I mentioned at the top, as they get closer to a deadline, then they're going to have to have all of the middle class and high end players be willing 
to actually lose money to fight this fight for the youngsters. And, and, and that's where it always caves in. The, the NFL is currently now in the second year of a 10-year deal that passed by literally 79 votes out of 1,800 players because it splintered the union. And uh, I just wonder what your observations are of how strong the players group is right now. Are they going to stick together to fight this to the end to take care of the younger players? It's a great question, and it's a well-structured uh, um uh, let's take a look at Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is on the executive committee negotiating uh, in uh, Florida with the owners. Max Scherzer is the highest paid player in baseball next year. Max Scherzer is going to make $43 million over 180 days. He loses $232,000 a day. I'll repeat that. Max Scherzer would lose $232,000 a day during the baseball season, that's what his salary is, if they miss games and they're not made up, okay? That is exactly what you were talking about, where we call BS on where players are really at, and when it starts to hit them in their wallet, no matter how rich a guy is, like Max Scherzer, that's when the bigger players, the higher salary players, not the smaller players, not the middle range players, but the higher paid players are they're the ones that make that make the uh, decision whether to go back or not. Okay, that's how it is. That's how it's always been. And uh, when you get closer to that, an opening day and missing regular season games, where owners have said and pledged today that games that are missed during the regular season will not, I repeat, will not be made up with double headers. Will not be made up at the end of the season. Uh, that is uh, seriously attacking uh, the upper class and telling them, you want to lose your money? Go ahead. You know, we're, you're not going to be able to make it back up, and uh, we're not going to make games up any, anymore. Uh, so from that point, uh, that, that's the hard line that we heard today, and it's uh, resonating throughout baseball at the moment. Well, and the other thing, and, and just to be clear, I, I, I own my own business for 35 years and employed a lot of people, but have always tended to be a pro-labor guy when it comes to these sports conversations because it's the players who make the game. But, you know, Bruce, at the end of the day, that is something that in other sports players would be glad to hear because double headers and lost day offs, they think, create extra strain on the body, on their ability to stay in shape, their ability to play. And so, you know, even in that regard, the players can say, well, oh, that's no good. But if it didn't happen and they negotiated something and then they found themselves playing a lot of double headers late in the season, I'm sure they would complain about that. They would. And the, and the, there's no doubt that the uh, the play and the uh, and the situations uh, there would there would be some strain on the players and the games probably wouldn't be as good if you're dealing with a team in September that's playing a 35, 36, 37 games in 30 days. Uh, I don't. It doesn't have a good look to it. It's never worked out before. Um, Cubs went through something like that uh, three or four years ago. Where they had to play over 30 game, 32 games in 30 days, and uh, they they just wilted uh, in September and into the playoffs. So, from that perspective, uh, it's it's no good. Uh, but uh, the players are being told probably by their uh, leaders right now that uh, they're still posturing by the owners, and there's still room to get what we want. 
if we keep negotiating the table up until Monday. Are there any other sticking points that I'm missing here? Anything competitive issues, drug testing, marijuana issues, anything like that? No, I mean, that doesn't seem to be uh, it's not a part of the equation. I mean, the, the interesting thing to me, Hub, is that we heard about pace of game over the last five years. We heard about uh, the uh, three outcomes in baseball, strikeout, walk, and home run, uh, went up to 35% of all outcomes last year, the highest ever, tied for the highest ever. Uh, the game has turned into a pretty boring game uh, when you bring in the power arms and you do the shifting. Uh, we haven't heard much about you know, doing anything about the shifting. We haven't heard much about uh, whether, whether or not there's going to be a pitch clock. We are, haven't heard anything about trying to slow down these three-hour and ten-minute games that are uh, proving to be non-starters for millennials and people who uh, want to go to a ball game and don't really want to put the time in to watch a, a three to four hour game. So, um, you know, what's good for the fans and what's good for the game, I haven't heard anything about it. It's all about money, okay? And and that's well and good. I mean, I understand uh, there's $11 billion a year to be divided up, Hub, okay? But uh, I haven't heard about these issues about the game and the fact that the, the baseball is lagging behind uh, the other sports to a large degree because they don't promote their own players and uh, because of the fact that uh, in some instances the game has become unwatchable. Okay, so um, it's, it's sad to, to not have a fan sitting there at the table being represented. Bruce, I could not agree with you more on that one. And I know I got to let you run, but I got to ask you one other question because uh, with some extra time on your hands, I, I believe you're actually the guy who broke the story the other day about Bobby Hull no longer being an ambassador for the Chicago Blackhawks. I can tell you that, that stuff like that, it just kind of cuts me to the core. As a child growing up in, in Chicago in the late 50s and 60s, my heroes in life were Dick Butkus, Ernie Banks, and Bobby Hull. And, and you know, when Hull left for Winnipeg, it was just, it was unthinkable in, at that time. And then when, when fences were finally mended and he was brought back, and I know he's been an ambassador for the team for some time, it felt right. Uh, I can understand that there could be issues here, but uh, it, it doesn't feel right. Uh, what, if anything, can, what kind of color can you put on that story for us? Just that the, the Blackhawks... Uh feel, uh, and, and I wasn't told this, but just my summation is the Blackhawks feel, uh, in my in my opinion, that they have to be the, the squeakiest uh, clean organization going forward, and that anything that brought a blemish on them in the past uh, has to be expunged and wiped away. And uh, unfortunately, you know, Bobby you know, was one of the greatest players, not only for the Blackhawks, but the most exciting, great players in history is you and I grew up watching him play and nobody had a harder slap shot. Nobody created uh, more, uh, more joy for Chicago Blackhawk fans than Bobby Hall. But the reality is, is that, you know, with a chartered history after his playing career, um, the, the, I don't think the Hawks uh, as a organization could uh, could uh, deal with uh, the fact that um, you know people would revisit that and that would uh, put a uh, put a blemish on them uh, going forward. I think they they felt they had to do something about 
the past, and it's unfortunate, but uh, you know they felt it was necessary at this point. Bruce, great work on that story, as well as your continued coverage of Major League Baseball and the Cubs and the White Sox for us here at The Score. It is great to get to visit with you. By the way, I was at Max and Benny's yesterday. It doesn't look the same, but it still tastes great. And so, No, <laughs> it is. It is. It's, I uh, think about you every time I go in there. But. There's, uh, there's more takeout than ever, but thank, thank goodness they're still functioning, doing well, and uh, being supported. Hub, it's always great joining you. Uh, I have to tell you personally on the area, I know you're late for a break, but I'm, I'm very uh, excited about the way that you were able to come out of a, uh, a storm and uh, stand tall after, uh, you know, being, uh, having social media thrown at you for a long period of time and uh, just keep up all the great work that you've been doing over the last 40 years. Oh, Bruce, I can't thank you enough, buddy. You know, listen, like it or not, it's the world we live in these days. And uh, I, I had my turn and uh, will certainly do my best not to take another one, although I do intend to keep covering sports and talking sports here for a long time. So Yeah, hopefully... keep, you, keep, keep your left up and uh, just, uh, you know, do the rope and dope when you have to. We all do. <laughs> take care, buddy. I hope your bag of work soon. That is Bruce right, Levine. Thanks. We've got to take a quick commercial break here. But one more special guest for you, and it's our own Campy, Rick Camp, coming up next. We want to get back into some more Chicago Bulls talk. That's going to happen right here at 670 The Score in just a moment. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.